Unless someone has a revelation to give me about uh, children's worship, I don't think there is any on this long weekend. But you have a revelation? There is? Perfect. Way to go, Nick. Why don't we sing a song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I'd asked two people already if there was children's worship, and they both said no. So I'm glad she knew the answer, the right answer. Um, Tell me something this morning that you have to have help with. Tell me something that you just absolutely cannot do unless you get some help. Remembering things. Yeah, that's very possible, yeah. What? Somebody said something. Raise kids. Yeah. Now, the fact is, there are people who do it without a spouse, okay? But yeah, for most of us who, if we, you know, if we find ourselves alone, we would say, yeah, I really could use some help here, okay? There are some things, though, that if I said to you, do you need some help with this? They would say, yeah, I absolutely could not do this without some help. Like, for example, let's say I was going to put trusses up on my shed that I built this last summer, and I'm trying to lift those trusses up, and I'm all by myself. I couldn't do it. I'd have to have somebody else there to help me lift those trusses up. And in fact, I did have some help. Mike, who's sitting right back there, not only did he help me lift them up, but he actually built them for me. So it was all good. I'm grateful that he helped. And there are other things that we could say uh, we couldn't do without ourselves or, or by ourselves. Once I was, uh, I was underneath my son's Ford Bronco, and we were putting on a lift kit on a 1994 Ford Bronco, and I was underneath the right front tire, and I was lifting, it was independent front suspension, so I can actually do the, the front wheel one side by itself, and I was, I had the tire off, and I had the hub off, and I was kind of working on it, and I, I got underneath it to do something, and all of a sudden, the jack slipped, and this, fortunately, it was just this one portion that just, boom, right down in the middle of my chest. And, like, this happened to me once before. I've told you this story before about how I was working on a Ford truck years and years ago, and the jacks slipped, and I was, I was laying on my back underneath the, the bed of the truck, and the differential, when the, I, I didn't have tires on it or anything, didn't even have wheels on it, uh, you know, like no hubs or anything. I had just put the axle in there, and the whole thing slipped off the jack, and the, the pot from the differential, which is about this big, and the whole thing probably weighed 1,000 pounds or something, came down, Wham! Right, right next to my head on the, on the driveway. And I crawled out. I had the, the bed of the truck right here, and I crawled out from beneath her, and I was probably white. I don't know. I walked, in the, I walked into the house, and I looked at Robin, and I said, I almost died just now. And she could tell I was serious. Like, it, you know, it almost happened. Like, it would have crushed my skull like that. So anyway, I, the other, the, this other time, though, I was underneath the front wheel, and uh, it was just the front axle, and it came down right on my chest, and it wasn't heavy enough to just crush me or anything, but neither could I move. So when it came down on top of me, I kind of went, ah, ah, ah. And, and Ryan was on the other side of the vehicle, and, of course, he knew that that was not just fooling around sounds. And so he ran around. And, you know, he could very easily lift up the axle from where he was. I lifted it up, and I crawled out. And the people who were living next door, they'd heard me kind of moaning as well, and they came running. And I was fine. But if Ryan hadn't been there, 
like, I, I don't know that I would have just, like, I don't know if I would have just expired in the next hour or something, because it wasn't that heavy, but neither could I move. And I was in no position to get it off at all. Like, I couldn't lift it off my chest. I just, I just couldn't. So I was just laying there. And if nobody would have been there, I would have just continued to lay there for a long period of time. There are some things we just can't do without some assistance. And this morning, we want to talk about something where we need some assistance and beautifully, wonderfully, graciously, God sends it. And I'm just so grateful that he does. We are here talking this morning about connecting with God like we've done for weeks now. And it would be such a mistake on my part if I didn't talk about the specific ministry of the Holy Spirit when it comes to this connecting that we do with God. God wants us to be so close to him, to connect with him in such an intimate, direct, wonderful way. And here's the point. We can't do this without the direct presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Scripture says. Let me show you how Scripture tells us how directly the Holy Spirit communicates to us in terms of everything that we are in Christ and certainly the closeness that we share with Him. So again, could you move me to the first slide, please? Thank you very much. Look at this. This is the, kind of the, where I want to start this morning. Our beginning affirmation of Jesus as Lord. When someone says Jesus is Lord is a confession of faith that connects us with God, and this only happens by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll show you the scripture in just a moment that says that, but before we do that, here's what I want us to do. I want you, to, for a moment, to, to think very seriously about this claim in your life. Jesus is Lord. Is he? Is Jesus your Lord? Is he, is he your master? Is he your God? Do you worship him? Is he the one who has complete control over your life? And here's the way I want to do this. I want you to close your eyes. And I know, you know, sometimes speakers say, close your eyes. Everybody thinks, oh, brother. <laughs> but I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to seriously say, in a moment of spiritual reflection, Jesus is Lord. And I want you to say that to yourself several times. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. You're my Lord. Jesus, I praise you and I thank you. You are my Lord. I, I give I give myself to you because you are my Lord. I want you to look at this scripture. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting line. Now the fact is, if someone else came in here who was, I'd say not someone else, but if someone came in here this morning who was, who was not Christian, 
And it could be that there's, that there's somebody here this morning for whom Jesus is not actually Lord. And if someone came in and, and Jesus was not their Lord, and, and I called them to the front and I put them on the spot and I said, say these words, say, Jesus is Lord. I think they could probably say it back. I don't think that God would stop them from doing that. I don't think they would they'd start to get the words out, but then the words wouldn't come. I think they could actually say the words, Jesus is Lord. The question is, would that be a confession of faith? Would this be something that they believed? Had they given their heart and their life completely to the notion that Jesus is Lord? And I'm not talking here just about the confession that we make at our baptisms. I'm talking about the confession of our life, that Jesus is Lord. Paul says this happens by the Holy Spirit. And he's not talking here just about some words that are said. He's talking about the confession of a life, the profession of a life, the giving of a life. Jesus is Lord. And if it is, Paul says this happens according to the Holy Spirit. Who's at work in us? It's really cool, actually, this whole context, because when you read through this, he's talking, Paul is about how there are pagans who say, Jesus, be cursed. And there's a huge difference between this God who has a spirit who speaks, speaks the word of God and says, Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit does that in us. And so I would say that the Holy Spirit does something to our spirits that makes God and connecting with God real and authentic. He brings about our true confessions of the lordship of Jesus by our spirits, where our spirits say, Jesus is Lord, and we mean it. And something has happened within us. I think the Holy Spirit does that. And if that's the case then I would say that the Spirit changes us. That He does something to us, transforms us, so that we can belong to Christ, enabling our connecting with God. So that's what we're talking about, is connecting with God, and it seems as though the Holy Spirit has this key role to play in connecting us with God, so that when we say, Jesus is Lord, we mean it. And something happens between ourselves and God in that moment. And then really throughout our lives. And so it seems to me this is very important. What does the Spirit do? What role does He have here? Well, He's connecting us with God in a very significant way. But then, that's not all. Look at this passage. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, that's a question. Are we led by the Spirit of God? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. In fact, don't you, just taking that sentence all by itself, wouldn't you kind of say that the implication is that if you're not led by the Spirit of God, that you're not a child of God? Kind of looks that way. The Spirit who who received, uh, sorry, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the transformation that the Spirit brings about is a transformation in us where I go from being not child to child. I go from being not son to son. I go from not being able to say, Abba, Father, to being able to say, Abba, Father. Father, you know, that's what Jesus said. 
In Mark 13, Jesus says that exact phrase, Abba, Father. And so suddenly the Holy Spirit is putting me in a place where I can say things to God in a, in a context of a relationship with God that was not there before. You know, about uh, 26 years ago now, my wife and I went to Africa and we picked up a little girl. And I'd been to Africa before. I'd looked around. There are lots of little African babies running around. (laughs) Many of them without diapers. Little black babies running all over the country. You see them everywhere. None of those were particularly special to me. Like in some general way as a Christian, I loved them all. But none of them was really all that special to me. And then there was one. (laughs) And she became the apple of my eye. And a special relationship took place. And adoption took place. And now the special relationship that we share together is like, I mean, I can't believe that I have as close a relationship with Megan as I do. It is so beautiful. It is so wonderful. It is so God-blessed in so many ways. God was so much a part of building all of that. And what Paul says here is that that's what he does with us. He adopts us as children and builds this special relationship, this intimate relationship between ourselves and God. And there's, it just doesn't happen without the Spirit's presence. So there's a new context then for our connecting with God made possible by the Spirit identifying us as God's children. A new life that we have with him. A new life of joy. A new life of connection and closeness and sharing. And we can talk to him as a dear father and say, Abba. And he knows our hearts and we know his and he loves us and we love him. And it's wonderful and it's the Holy Spirit who does that. And so we're talking about connecting with God. How can we possibly connect with God without this special, close relationship that we have with our Father because of what the Holy Spirit's doing? And sometimes we just don't think about this. Sometimes in the middle of prayer or reading, reflecting on who God is, we just don't give the Spirit the place that the Spirit wants to have in this special relationship that we have with God. Well, a couple of more things. Look at this from Ephesians 6. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Those italics, by the way, are mine. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Several times here in this passage, Paul says pray. Pray, 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 pray. He wants the church to pray. He makes it clear that if we pray, something is going to happen to all the things that he wants to have happen here. But how does Paul tell us to pray? He doesn't tell us to just pray in some general way. He specifically says, these are Paul's words, not mine, pray in the Spirit. Which tells me that when I'm trying to pray, if I'm not aware of acknowledging the Spirit's presence in the midst of my prayer, something is going to be missing. Because God wants us to pray, Paul says, in the Spirit. And you get the sense that when you pray in the Spirit, that the gospel is going to go out. You get the impression that when you pray in the Spirit, God's people are going to be impacted. 
When you pray in the Spirit, Paul says that the ambassador that he is in chains for Christ are not going to hold him back. Chains can't hold back somebody for whom we're praying when we're praying in the Spirit. And so he says, I'm going to proclaim this fearlessly. Pray that I do. And you just get the sense that if we're praying in the Spirit, that God's going to answer that prayer and Paul's going to preach fearlessly. There's a part of me who wants to say, are you praying in the Spirit for me? Are you praying in the Spirit for the other staff members and for our elders and asking God to bless us so that we might do something here with the gospel that we can't begin to do on our own, but only by the presence and the power of the Spirit? I would sum up what Paul says by saying something like this. The presence of the Spirit gives us a whole new personal context for prayer. That personal context is in the Spirit. The physical environment in which we pray, I think, is important to some extent. Like, it's nice to be in a quiet place. It's nice to not be too distracted by all kinds of things when you're trying to pray. You don't want to be in a context where you're trying to seek the attention of others the way the Pharisees did. They would go into the marketplace, and they loved to stand in the marketplace and pray, and everybody watch them. We don't want to pray like that. We want there to be real authenticity. But what is the, the key factor here in terms of the context in which we pray? And I think Paul would say, it's the presence of the Spirit. It's not what we're doing, but it's what God is doing in the midst of our prayers. And this praying in the Spirit, then, is what becomes so powerful. Now, unfortunately, it's very possible, maybe even likely, that Spirit-led prayer is not part of our everyday spiritual experience. Maybe you just don't think about this very often. You know, we live in a culture that still, even, though, even in this kind of postmodern age where people are free to think spiritually and there's all kinds of different religions that come from different places and so people do get exposed to different spiritualities, still, we tend to be pretty rationalistic. We tend to be pretty empirical, meaning we're, we kind of reflect on our senses and what we sense with our eyes and with our ears and with our noses and touch. Like, those are the kinds of things that we think are real. And all the while, God is saying, actually, what's real is spiritual. What's real and what's powerful is what the Spirit does. So when our elders get together on a Tuesday night and they're going to make some decisions... I sure don't want them to be making those decisions just on their own. Kevin, I I love you, but I don't want you to be making decisions on our church only on your own. I don't care if you've got Miles with you and whoever else might be with you. Steve's a wise guy. I don't want Steve and Miles and Kevin and Francis to be making decisions on their own. They're good men, but they're not that wise. What they need is the Holy Spirit. We need to be God-dependent in so many ways, and it's so easy for us to not be God-dependent. We make decisions on our own sometimes. And all the while, God is saying, I just want to send my Spirit and bless you so when you pray, you pray in the Spirit, and He will bless you with the things that you're praying about. And we haven't done that as much as we need to. 
Look at this passage from Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. It is God's will that the Spirit intercede between ourselves and God. God wants the Spirit right there in the middle, and especially when we need Him most. I was reflecting in the last couple of days about what Jordan and Carrie went through several years ago, along with the rest of their family. And I was thinking about how I listened to them pray, and I was with them at different times when they cried. And they went through it, of course, twice. There were so many things that were burdensome on their hearts. And sometimes it wasn't just them, but sometimes there were others. And, and I can remember sitting in my office after a phone call when I hung up the phone, and I sat in my office, and I, I sobbed thinking about what these people were going through. And at times like that, when there is that kind of emotion and grief and pain and anxiousness, sometimes the words don't come. And when the words don't come, God comes. His Spirit comes. And the Spirit does and says what we can't do and say. Sometimes we can't pray. Or we don't know how to pray. Because we're simply overcome. And at those moments, thank you Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. And blesses us when we need Him so badly. And then those cries of raw emotion somehow between me and the heart of God the the spirit intercedes and takes them and does something with them that I just, I'm incapable of doing. You know, I've told you the story before about walking into a hospital room with a, a young mother in her bed. She was alone in the room. I walked in and she, she turned and looked at me as I was coming in the door. And b- before I could say hi, before anything else, she just looked at me and she said, I couldn't even hold my baby. And w- what she was talking about was that he had gone through, his ba- her baby had gone through a, a very tragic childbirth. And the baby did not come out right. It was a disaster. And this baby who moments before had been healthy in the womb and everything was good after passing through a birth channel that was just too small and the doctors took way too much time, etc., etc., it turned into a tragedy. And she couldn't hold him, not because they wouldn't let her, but because she couldn't bring herself to do so. And you might say, well, what was wrong with her? Why couldn't she? Well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to begin to judge her at that moment. Her heart was so broken. Her life was so crushed. And I'm imagining that before I walked into the room, there must have been prayer after prayer after prayer that came 
maybe attempted to come off of her lips. But I'm guessing there were only groans, only sobs. And yet I know that in the middle of the sobs, I know that in the middle of the groans, that God was with her. I can remember just a week or so after that being in a Bible study and a Bible study that she and her husband would normally attend and they weren't there. And I started telling the Bible study the story and being with her. And then I started groaning. And I started sobbing. And of course the Holy Spirit was there in the midst and was there between me and God. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for literally when someone has a disease and, and they're, they're so far gone. Do you really want them to come back? Like I've been with people that I thought to myself, absolutely the best thing for them right now is to go and be with the Lord. And yet part of me wants to pray for healing. For them to stay alive here longer. And so what do you pray for? And when we don't have those words and we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit comes and he intercedes and he brings our best to our Father who loves us like children. And so in my groaning or in my silence, I'm never alone. And neither are you. Because the Spirit is there interceding between ourselves and God. He's there connecting us to the Lord. Well, it would seem that the key to this is our openness and willingness to pray in the Spirit to this one who is there and who is waiting. Because he is. He's waiting. He's waiting there for us to pour out our hearts with groans too deep for words. He's waiting to intercede. And so I want to encourage you today to invite him to be with you when you pray. And the promise that Scripture makes is that he will be there with you. That he's going to bless you with his presence in the midst of you not even being able to pray. And he will do something beautiful. He will do something wonderful with the connecting that we're trying to to do with God. God's just waiting and wants us to connect so badly. He sends his spirit so that we can connect with him. Isn't that beautiful? Let's pray. Lord, sometimes sometimes we don't have the words. Sometimes we're overcome. Sometimes we don't we don't even know what's best to pray for. And you're there. And Lord, this whole life of connection with you is not something it would appear we can do on our own. 
We need your help. We need your assistance. We need the presence of your spirit. And so as we continue to speak over the next few weeks about what it means to connect with you, we pray that as we do connect, as we, as we put ourselves into a position where we're attempting to be one with you, to talk to you, to spend time with you, we pray that you would make us aware of the presence of your spirit. We pray that your spirit would be there right in the middle of our relationship with you, that you would draw us right into that communion, that we might constantly feel your presence and have you in our lives. We need you so badly. We pray this today through Jesus. Amen.